Good evening. It's an absolute privilege to be with you again this evening to share with you. 28th of June. Uh, thank Colin and the team for the privilege of sharing. Just one personal note for me. It's an anniversary today for me, not wedding or my conversion, but I believe it's 50 years today that I first became a pastor. It was the Elam Church in Langdon, and um, I just think it's just amazing how gracious God has been. I'd like to just read you a couple of scriptures I've made before we start our study for tonight. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because they acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out on me abundantly, along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. I'm amazed that the Lord Jesus has stuck with me for 50 years, and um, I pray that not only will Kensington Temple be blessed, but the Elam Church in Langdon, Stroke Basildon, will be blessed as well. Thank you. Well, that was just something I needed to honour God with, and now I'd like to turn your attention to, um, it could be a small series, I'm not sure how the dates are going to work out, but each will be a unit. And if you're with us again, we can start where we lay off. I'd like us to look at the life of Joshua. Now, there's always a temptation whether you look at the man or you look at the book. Well, both are overlapping. Joshua, I know for so many, um, is a hero. Someone who has been there setting a standard and an inspiration to them. And I've got to say that as I've looked at his life again, even during the last few days, he has absolutely soared in my estimation. Um, he didn't need to soar, but I've just been totally amazed of just the character and the integrity of the man. So before we go any further, I need to pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word that's open to us. We thank you that in spite of lockdown, we can still meet together, open your book, and listen for your voice. Because it's your voice we need to hear, Lord. I pray what I say tonight might be a blessing, a help, and encouragement for those who are listening. Amen. Amen. Well, Joshua is very famous, I suppose, for some people, it'll be the walls of Jericho. For others, it will be the fact that he and Caleb were the only two survivors of the Exodus who went into the Promised Land. There are many points in his life that will be exciting for different people. Um, he's first mentioned in Exodus 17 and verse 9. This was the occasion when the children of Israel were fighting the Amalekites. You know the story, Moses was on the mountain and he had Aaron and Hur hold, held his hands up. As his hands came down, the Amalekites began to win. As the hands were raised, the Joshua and the soldiers began to win. And that's where we first hear him. It says, Joshua chose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. That was the first task he was given by Moses, to go out and fight the Amalekites. And so we see that all, everything that happened to him before we get to the book of Joshua was in preparation for his ministry. Please do not be in too big a hurry to get to the finishing line. God will teach you many things. You're frustrated, you're keen, you want to do something for God. Well, please remember there are lessons being learned all the time. Joshua learned on this occasion 
the importance of teamwork, I believe. Moses on the mountain, two supporting him, he down in the battlefield with the other soldiers. Teamwork was important. Then we find in Exodus 24, 13, it says, Moses set out with Joshua to the mountain of God. And here we find that he was chosen to go up the mountain with Moses. Can't help but think of the transfiguration when the three apostles went with our Lord onto the Mount of Transfiguration. Joshua was allowed to go onto the mountain. Again, the mountain was where the presence of God was to be found. God was to speak with Moses there. And Joshua was allowed to go that bit further than the others. What did he learn there? I think he learned that without the presence of God, we're never going to achieve anything for him. There's teamwork when it comes to the battle, but the presence of God is vital. We then find him again in Numbers 13, 16, when he was asked to go and represent his tribe in spying out the land of Israel. They had now come to the Jordan. They sent spies across to see what the enemy were up to. As you know, if you're in my age and you went to Sunday school, you'll probably remember we sang, used to sing some choruses about the spies. Well, 12 went because there were 12 tribes, but only Caleb and Joshua came back and believed that God, they could take the Canaanite kingdoms and they could take the land for God. All the rest had a negative report. Only Joshua and Caleb had a positive report. And that's why they were allowed to enter the land. They were spies that were sent out. In fact, in Numbers 14, verse 6 to 9, they nearly lost their lives. The people thought they would just finish off because of the report that they brought. Exodus 33, 11. We find another occasion, and Joshua is mentioned there. We have the tent of meeting, which I don't believe was the tabernacle itself. A tent of meeting was set up outside the camp. And Moses would go in and meet with God. And it tells us there that when Moses left, Joshua was left there. It said he did not leave the tent. And he was a faithful. He was learning faithfulness. Not very glamorous. He wasn't going to win any medals. There wasn't going to be a round of applause. Very simply, he stood his ground. He stood in the tabernacle tent or the tent, pardon me, the tent of meeting. Again, the presence of God is something to be treasured and protected. He learned earlier that on the mountain, we need the presence of God. Outside that tent, he learned that the presence of God is something to be guarded. Again, in all these small incidents, we see him being trained and prepared for the big task that was still to come. Numbers 13, 16. We have his name changed. So many characters in the Bible had their names changed. We find from Hosea, which means salvation. He now is called Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And of course, you'll know that the name of our Lord, Jesus, is a derivation of the name Joshua, the Lord saves. So even in his name, we see that delivering ministry that Joshua was going to have. Numbers 11, he turns up again. This time, he's got a bit of a, a, a bit of a angry. Some of the elders had been gathering around the tabernacle. God had poured his spirit on them. And some of them who weren't present 
got filled with the Spirit or anointed with the Spirit or whatever term you want to use for what happened, you know, and weren't with them. And of course, Joshua gets very upset for Moses. He feels somehow they were usurping Moses's authority. And of course, we have the great verses. You know, Moses says, don't worry about this. And, you know, I, uh, are you, he said, are you jealous for me? May God put his spirit on them. He learned in that not to be jealous for the other. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't belong to anyone. It wasn't Moses' Holy Spirit. Therefore, Joshua could not defend. God doesn't need defending. In fact, we'll look at that in another study, God willing. And so again, we find Joshua's name comes up. He's a soldier. He goes into the presence of God. He stands guard at the presence of God. He tries to protect Moses. He, he acknowledges his authority. And then in Numbers 27 and verse 18, I think we have some of the key verses for his life. Numbers 27. Let me read it to you. There's a few verses there. And I'll make no apology for reading that. So Numbers 27. And I'm going to read from verse 18. Um, okay, here we are. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit. Lay your hands on him. Have him stand before Elzar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so the whole of Israel community will obey him. So here we have, it's almost his ordination. It's almost that God is preparing him for what is a hand. Very simply, he received the laying on of hands. How often in the Old Testament does that speak of blessing, first blessings? We think of, you know, that Jacob, the usurper, was after his father's blessing by the laying on of hands. And so Moses now lays his hands upon him. And then it says that he had to be commissioned in the presence of the people. It was something to be done public. God was already putting his seal on this young man of what was to happen. Notice it says, give him some of your authority. Moses had to learn that God was already planning for the future and that some of his authority would have to go to Joshua. It would be good for Joshua to have some authority, but not all authority. That would come, of course, when he had finished his training and they were crossing the Jordan to go into the promised land. And the whole idea is that the whole Israelite community will obey him. They had a nation, they had a land to clear of enemy tribes. They had to set up a society in Cana. They needed to hear the voice of God. They needed to know the delegated authority from God, which was Moses at this moment, but would become Joshua later. Almost there, Deuteronomy 34, 9. Now Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him, so the Israelites listened to him, and he did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Here is someone who had the gift that is so vital today. Whether you're a minister or you're a a cell leader or whatever you're doing in Sunday school or youth. Wisdom. Pray that God will give you wisdom. I remarked only recently that more ministers, I feel their ministries come to an end through lack of wisdom than any other sins. So please, 
This marked the man out. He received wisdom by the laying on of hands. We think of Solomon, again, a man who could have had it asked for anything, but asked for wisdom. Well, we've almost finished that little sketch of him. We have him, as I say, on the battlefield in Exodus 17. We have him on the mountain in Exodus 24. We see him spying out the land in Numbers 13. We see him standing guard at the tent of meeting, Exodus 33. We see his name change in Numbers 13. We see him trying to stop the elders from prophesying in Numbers 11. We see his ordination, Numbers 27, verses 18, 19, and 20. And in Deuteronomy 34, 9, we see he has the spirit of wisdom. Just two more comments before we go to Joshua 1. First of all, Joshua's only mentioned twice in the New Testament. Having read a little further and studied a little more about him, I just feel he's worth a bit more quoting than that. He's mentioned in Acts 7, 45. This is Stephen's great speech um, before the chief council. As you know, it resulted in his being stoned. He became the first martyr for the Christian church. That's the occasion when it says he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. On all other verses, Jesus is seated. But when a martyr is about to visit heaven, Jesus stands and honors him. So he's mentioned, and it says there, that he took the tabernacle into Cana. So Stephen marks out that part of his responsibility was not only to take the people into Cana, the promised land, he had the responsibility of taking the tabernacle into the promised land. And of course, it was there in different points, and maybe some other time we'll look at that. And then he's mentioned again in Hebrews 4 and verse 8. For Joshua had, get, sorry, for Joshua had given them rest, for God would not later speak about another day. And so the picture there that the, the writer of the Hebrews is saying is this. If Joshua had brought rest to the people of God by bringing him into the promised land, by conquering the tribes, by dividing out the lands, then the writer says that God would not have spoken about another rest. And of course, the other rest is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. My rest is not the promised land. My rest is Jesus Christ. My tabernacle isn't pitched anywhere. My tabernacle is Christ. I don't visit a temple. Christ is my temple. In fact, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so in the New Testament, two remarks. He took the tabernacle into Canaan. Don't go anywhere without the presence of God. And lastly, uh, he was a type of Christ who brings us into permanent rest in him. He was one who brought the children into temporary rest. He's not mentioned in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is that great chapter of the um, heroes of faith. And he's not mentioned there. And I've got to say that I want to know when I get to heaven, I don't know who wrote Hebrews. I've got suspicions from reading different commentaries, but I'd like to meet the writer to the Hebrews. And I'm going to ask him, why did you leave Joshua out? Because if we have time and God is willing, we'll look at other studies we'll see that this guy was outstanding. Okay, well, now we're going to get to maybe where you'd hope to have started, but I just thought it was worth setting a bit of a background. The man we're going to read now about in Joshua 1 didn't just step up to the mark. He'd been trained, he'd been prepared. And sometimes, you know, you can get frustrated with God. You think, well, why isn't God? You, if, God, if, God is, if God could keep Gordon Neal in the ministry for 50 years, 
surely there's something you can do with me. I'm absolutely sure there's something you can do with you when your training is finished. And I've got some bad news here. Your training never finishes. I'm learning every single day. And that's the heart. The teachable spirit, hopefully, will help you not to make as many mistakes as I have made. Well, we're going to look into Joshua chapter 1. I'm just going to have a, a mouthful. Joshua chapter 1. It starts with, and I'll read the first verse. After the death of Moses. They are momentous words after the death of Moses. No one imagined at any time that Moses would not take the children of Israel into the promised land. I don't think he imagined that it would happen. But because of a certain incident, and I won't digress down that this evening, he was not allowed to enter the promised land. And we find there that God buried him. And of course, we know that he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. So God buried him. So he knew where he'd be when he wanted him for the Mount of Transfiguration. And um, I think that God buried him because he didn't want them to cross the Jordan again, go into the wilderness, or let's visit the tomb of Moses. God was having none of that. We don't go back. We thank God for everything. The Elam movement was started by someone called George Jeffries. George Jeffries died. You know, we've had famous ministers in our ranks, um, successful ministers, men and women who God has used. But one thing's for sure, they're not eternal. Only the Lord Jesus Christ is eternal. So these words set the scene. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Oh, it almost, you almost think there's a bit it should be more than that. And yet when you think about it, if that could be said of you and me at the end of our lives, and I'm nearer the end than the beginning, that's for sure. You know, if someone was to say, Gordon, you servant of the Lord, I'd be well pleased. I'm not sure they will, but I'd be well pleased. Uh, obviously, I know everything about soccer and other subjects, but that's the one that would um, please me the most. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. And, you know, we come to the New Testament. Well done, good and faithful servant. Please don't underestimate your servanthood. You may be serving and you never get a round of applause. You may not get the opportunities I have to minister in this way. But be in no doubt, God is watching everything. He's making note. And this team who are behind the scenes that are making this lively possible, they're as vital to what's happening as I am. We have different roles, different responsibilities, and everyone will get their reward. So here we have, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. If ever there was a change in the nation, it would be then. Um, and this is where we find Joshua. In our introduction in the um, publicity for the, the day, I mentioned that we think of our own society today. You know, they talk about the new normal. Will, we, will it all be the same again? Will church ever be the same again? Well, we're going to find out. The leadership of your church are we doing all they can to think this through, pray it through, because we want to remain effective for God. But, you know, Things change. We know that. The fact that Moses is dead did not may have caused some panic among the people, but not to Joshua. Joshua, because it says in the next verse, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun. See, as long as God's talking to you, you're all right. 
So when God stops talking to you, you need to ask some questions. You know, when the, God's word is no longer living for you, when prayer is a drag, when fellowship is something you try and avoid, listen, friend, there's something wrong with you. You need to throw yourself on the mercy of God. And here we have it. Moses is dead, God's servant. Thank you, Moses, full stop. And then God began to speak to Joshua. Joshua would not go up the mountain with Moses anymore. He would, God would speak with him. Joshua would not be someone who would be part of a, a group. He was now the leader. He was now going to be the senior pastor of the nation of Israel. And so we find that although God buries his workmen, he never buries his work. And almost without a skip of a beat, Moses was gone, but Joshua had been prepared by God. The spirit of wisdom was upon him. He was ready to take his place. Well, he tells there, first of all, that the Moses, Joshua had to understand the purposes of God. You see, God was not going to do a new thing with Joshua. Joshua didn't have to do a new thing. He had to bring into fulfillment all the things that God had already said in his word, all the promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was part of a long line of promises, of privileges that he'd received. He was in that place, and he was going to take them in. But as we often said, he stood on the shoulder of giants. Abraham was clapping his hands at the thought of Joshua taking him in. Moses, I'm sure, would be saying, well, if I'm not going in, I'm glad that Joshua's taking them in. It was a momentous occasion. And the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, and he says these words. This is what God said to Joshua right at the beginning. Moses, my servant, is dead. You know, we can live in the shadow of other people, great ministries. I think of, and I'm sure Pastor Colin won't mind me saying this, he stepped into a, a church as senior pastor um, after Win Lewis. I wouldn't want that job, thank you very much. But, you know, he did, and God continued to bless. And your church has great pastors, Eldon Corsi and Win Lewis and, and, and so many others there that God has used. But let me tell you, when our day is gone, God will have others. He's preparing now to take our place. And so God simply says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River to the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Quite clear, stage one. He wasn't given the full revelation of what was going to happen, but he was told the next step. And the next step was quite simple. The Lord said to Joshua, what, a new revelation? No, they were already told that they were going into the Jordan. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, etc., etc., were all covenant. The land was part of the covenant promise. So this wasn't a surprise to Joshua. He didn't think, oh, I thought we'd be doing something else. He's only doing, he's only continuing what Moses did and what all the other patriarchs had spoken of and believe for and so Moses my servant is dead but now then but now then pardon me you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan to the land I am about to give them 
And that was his marching orders. It was a tremendous challenge for him. He knew the purposes of God. He'd been in the wilderness. He'd come out of Egypt. Now, what age he was when he came out of Egypt, I'm afraid I don't know. In some of the verses that I shared with you earlier, he's called a young man in, 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 while he was in the wilderness. But he came out of Egypt. He saw, I am sure, the Red Sea being parted. He was aware of the power of God. Now he had to take the reins. Now, not only did he understand the purposes of God, and you need to understand the purposes of God. We live in a society of instant things. Click on, click here, Google that. You know, it's all there. Even this afternoon, I was looking for a verse or scripture, and within seconds, it, I Googled it and it'd come up to me. I thought, I've got commentaries, I've got concordances. I just thought, you know what, I'll Google it. And woof, up it came. About four or five different versions. And I always pick the version that suits the sermon, but don't tell anybody that um, in that way. So there was... The instant thing. I've got to say this, and I'm not, I'm not being critical. But, you know, I said this a long time ago when I first had the invitation to come and minister with you. I said about principles and promises. We've got to know God's principles before we can claim his promises. Okay? Also, not only do we need to understand principles that God works to, in other words, a principle is I will not give my glory to another, Okay, but there are also uh, promises and there are purposes. Now, the principle for Joshua was to obey God and all that Moses had re been revealed. But the promise was that he would receive if he kept to the purposes of God. Right. Sorry, I'm a little confused there. Let me explain a bit further. God's purpose for your life is that you reveal Christ in all that you say and do. Very simple. You're a Christian. Fruits of the Spirit. That's God's purpose. And that you share your faith with others, that you praise God. That's the purpose. Now, the principle is, there's principles of prayer, holiness, scripture that come in. When, we are, when those things are in place, when we've got the purposes and the principles, then we can go to the promises and understand, first of all, are they for us? Now, some of you won't agree with me, but I don't think I've been asked to speak to that I make you all agree with me. You know, not every promise may apply to you. So, for example, I do not want any more children. And you're all thinking just as well. Well, there we are. But that's a promise. There's a promise in Scripture about children. I'm sure there's one. I can't think of you. I'm sure I don't want that promise. So the promises, we've got to use our, and introduce our brains a little bit when we're claiming promises. Some of them don't apply to us, you know, and we need to. So, but the principles, pardon me, and the purposes make the promises a reality. Well, he was given some personal promises. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses were given them. But God had some promises for him. See, it's one thing given somebody else's testimony. You need to have a testimony of your own. And he says to them there, I will give you, verse 3, every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Wow. Everywhere you set your foot. Now, I've got to say, and I've, I've only thought of this now, was that promise given to Moses before he failed God? 
that his feet would be the feet? I'm not sure. That's your homework, all right? I like to always set a bit of homework that you're thinking. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. There's a great principle there. I will give, if you put your feet in that promised land, it's going to be yours. So they could have sat this side of the Jordan and sung all the hymns they wanted, had all the meetings they want, laid hands on one another till they were bald, and nothing would have happened. They had to get up, and God is saying to him, it's conditional. You want the promised land, go stick your feet on it. And sometimes with God, we need to claim things. A verse that follows me around is you have not because you, you ask not. Now, that isn't a prosperity thing. That's, that's sensible. I don't remember my father ever coming up to me and saying, would you like some money? <laughs> he'd have thought he'd had a bag on the head. But I'd go up and ask him for money, and it was very simple. I asked, he said, no, very simple. No, he was, both my parents were very generous to me. So the principle is there. But he said, everywhere you place your foot. In other words, there was a response from Joshua. If you want this promise, if you want to claim this, the principle is that you've got to go in and take that land over. And then he goes on and says, your territory will extend from the desert. And of course, he comes right through there, um, right the way through. He gives them this. And verse uh, four, the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised you on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see with your eyes, but you will not cross over. You will not cross over. And so we find that promise is there. Again, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joshua, you're part of something greater. You're part of something large. I'm ministering the word this evening. I'm trying to, okay? But thousands, not millions, are doing the same thing all around the world tonight. And it's that common desire. Am I better because I'm speaking online than someone who's in a small village somewhere? Of course not, not at all. They do what they do. I'll do what I do. But the, the secret is to do what you do well and to the glory of God. And so Moses, uh, sorry, Joshua was reminded again that he was part of something larger. Moses would not go in, but he would. But he wasn't going to pat himself on the back. He was going to say, oh, look at me. I'm taking the children of Israel into Canaan. Far from it. He knew he was part of something larger and something greater. Well, what a job to be given. He's told very simply that he was going to take the land. Um, no one will, and then we have some promises that go with that, some important promises. So he says there, no one will be able to stand in your presence, okay, against you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Okay, thank you. I just quoted some scripture a moment ago. And I've just lost my place, forgive me. It's okay. And so having been given this great commission, this great challenge to fill, oh, I nearly said to fill the shoes of Moses. But he wasn't filling the shoes of Moses. God had given him a pair of his own. And it's good that we look at others that we're inspired. I think of people, I won't name them, who when I first came a Christian, 
oh, I wanted to be like them. That wasn't a bad thing for me because some of my heroes before that were the badder you were, the more cool I thought you were. And now I had a new set of people that inspired me to be a Christian in that way. And so he's told that, you know, that God would be with him. Um, and then he gives him some warnings. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Okay. Now, this verse is quoted quite a few times by Christians who maybe are in some conflict in some way. Okay. No one will be, verse 5, will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Okay. Now, for you and I, that verse, of course, we can claim it all the days of our lives. And what if I backslide? What if I turn away from God? What if I don't walk with him? Does that hold all the days of my life? Because very often when you move away from God, it's the challenges and the battles that bring us back to God. So again, but Moses was given this great promise. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So Joshua, as I was with Moses, which I think is the key, as I was with him, so I will be with you. So as God was with Peter and Paul and John, all the apostles, he's with you. No difference. So the same God that was with Paul on his missionary journeys is with you tomorrow when you go into the office, if you're still working, or home, or whatever you're involved in. He's with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the God of George Jeffries, who was the founder of Elam, is the same God. The God of uh, the Wynn Lewis's, etc., that I've mentioned, uh, Pastor Colin and others, he's our God. Forgive me, he's their God. He's our God. We don't possess it. We don't own him for ourselves. He's all our God. He's our saviour and he's our Lord. Well, time is almost gone. Let me just continue a little further. He says in verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to the forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Okay, now they're great. I'll have some of that. I'll have some of that strong, courageous, leading, inheriting. Wow. Uh, be strong and very courageous. Do you know what? I want some of that. But let me finish the verse. Be careful. This is Joshua. He's saying, be this is Joshua who went up the mountain. Here's Joshua who beat the um, Amalekites. This is Joshua who received that anointing from the hands of Moses. And God still has to say to him, be careful. To obey the law of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Wow. So, yeah, you're courageous, inherit the land. I'm going to be with you. But again, the promises were conditional. You've got to be careful. What have you got to be? To obey all, all the law of my servant Moses gave you. That's the deal. 
Joshua, if you want prosperity, and again, I, you know, he was a, he lived very modestly, and I'll talk about another time. Um, you find here we have this man, and he was told, you can do the job. I'm going to be with you. You'll be successful. You've got to be strong, and you've got to be courageous. Great. But be careful. May I just use a pastoral tone to you, if I may, for uh, in closing? Just be careful. It's a great word, isn't it? Be careful. How many times have people have said to me, be careful? Sometimes I've listened to them and I've saved myself with a disaster. Sometimes I haven't listened to them and I've found myself in trouble. So may I just close with, be careful to obey all. Don't pick and choose the laws of God. Don't pick and choose how you will live. Seek to serve him every day, full-heartedly, seeking to give him all the glory and all the praise. And so almost well, in conclusion, just to give a warning to others, may I just say this, that his training took place before he got the big job. And the big job was to lead the people into the promised land. God was going to be with him as he was with Moses. All his training would be used. And maybe if we have an opportunity on other occasions, we'll look at how the training was used. But please, be careful. Be careful how you live. Seek to glorify the Lord in all you do. Well, have a great week coming up. I know there's devotions each morning. Many of you are able to uh, log on there. Again, thank you for the opportunity. And God willing, if we have another time together, we'll just continue to look at the life and the book of Joshua. So privilege now to hand back to Scott, who I think will take us out with a song and maybe a prayer. God bless you and thank you for listening. Bye.